Hello everyone, welcome to Shite and Sound. My name is Yutha Shite. And I am Finn Sound Nicholas. Yeah, it's just a general discussion and podcast. We are going through the dictionary uh, uh, and each week we pick a word, mm. chat about the word, see what associations it has, how we can explore it, express it, explain it, maintain it, all previous words we've done. Uh, maintain was only a couple of months ago because today we're, we're on a biggie. Yeah. Hope there are any people with reverse eyes who are Shining fans in, because that's right, it's it's murder time. We finally hit the word murder. I know people have been looking forward to it for quite a while. Yeah. People were very frustrated when we got to the homicide episode, and and it just and we just said, see also murder. <laughs> yeah. And same with the child murder episode. <laughs> and so, Finn, I, what is the first thing that comes into your mind when you hear the word murder? Uh, I'd say it's probably like movies where crazy gross stuff happens to people. For example, uh, like in uh, a Love Actually, where people yeah. get married. Ooh, <laughs> oh, that's the real grade. <laughs> that's the real murder, stealing a man's social life. <laughs> the real villain of that film is Kira Knightley, uh, killing Chiwetel Ejiofor's social life. You know, yeah. The real villain of that movie is. Snow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, unpack that. I've never what seen re- it. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so but like I've seen, I've seen about thirty-five seconds of that movie. What? Which are? It's the the bit with the the placards. Ah, uh, okay. And you must have seen um the bit where Emma Thompson cries. Nope. That's a good bit. Have you seen the bit with Alan Rickman? Nope. Have you seen what? Either of the bits with Rowan Atkinson? No, I've seen 35 seconds of the movie. Oh, have you seen the bit with um, uh, uh, where people sing? No. What about this Bill Nye stuff? No, uh, guess how much of Notting Hill I've seen? More than me. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Okay, how much have you seen? Uh, none. Neither. Yeah, we're tied. But I don't even know what Notting Hill is, so I win, so that's less than you. <laughs> You know what Notting Hill is. I don't... Well, what's Notting Hill? What's Notting Hill, then? It's a hill where people tie their shoes in knots on a hill. Okay, why why are you talking about having seen it, then? Because that's all you do with hills. You see them. <laughs> it's, a land, it's, a, it's, a, it's a famous landmark. As common listeners to this podcast will know... Yeah, all our, all our <laughs> commoners who listen to this... <laughs> Why go for them? (laughs) Finn is finally once again in our discussion of a word has been caught out in one of his numerous egregious fabrications (laughs) and is once again flailing angrily as I, the alpha of the (laughs) podcast, (laughs) control it. So Finn, once again, wriggling like a worm on my hook. Of knowledge, yeah, I'm like I'm like I'm like Josh Hartnett and Wrath of Man, just a just a <laughs> just a weaselly guy. Ah, Wrath of Man, that's a that's a movie we both saw. Yeah, and Cousins, another movie we both saw. Yeah, Cousins is better than Wrath of Man, uh, arguably. Not uh, no. <laughs> okay, defend that statement. Uh, Wrath of Man has uh, <laughs> like like one good action sequence, which is more than Cousins has. Yeah, Cousins doesn't present itself as an action work, though. Once again, I win, and I remain the alpha of the podcast. That makes 20 episodes in a row where I am the alpha. We all remember 21 episodes ago on the episode on 
mundanity where Finn became the alpha. Do you want to tell the story? No. Uh, okay, cool. So it is. Uh, you're right. It was rude of me to try and introduce a point of interest and collaboration into this, our podcast. <laughs> I, uh, I hate when I do that. Yeah. And every episode you keep trying. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, disgusting. I, I've worked out what we could do instead of trying to be creative or interesting. Okay. What if we watched two films? Mm-hmm. One being, um, M by Fritz Lang. Oh, yeah. Um, an adaptation of The Pied Piper. Um, and, and the other being the Zodiac Killer from an 1971. Of, an adaptation of some real murders that happened. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. <laughs> a, a, a part of a, a plot, a, a film made largely to trap a real serial <laughs> yeah. killer, making it part of an increasingly small genre. And there are other films made to entrap serial killers and include, of course... Uh, funny people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. They really wanted to get the Golden State Killer. Yeah. And so funny people. <laughs> yeah, like, the only reason that film is over two hours is to get all the clues and secret messages in yeah. there. What else? Uh, buddy, buddy. I have to presume that everyone knows these days that the Billy Wilder film Buddy, Buddy was, of course, made to catch Klaus Kinski. <laughs> uh, and I, pre- I, ha- I have not seen it, but I have to presume that like Cruella is in some way a psyop. Like <laughs> yeah. that definitely exists for some extrajudicial reason. Right, yeah, yeah. Even if it is just to like. Kill in a wind tour. Uh, or... well, I, I think it was one of those movies that was made specifically so it could be used at Guantanamo Bay to torture people. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, like, people now that Tool has said you can't use our music anymore. Ah, uh, that that sucks. Yeah. Instead, they'll just have to use to pick an example at random the score from the film The Zodiac <laughs> Killer, nineteen seventy one. Oh. A score I would best to describe as cacophony there's 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 one scene of a zodiac killer where a man in a stretcher is being uh, is just being like wheeled down uh, like a a san francisco hill and there's some like pretty good free jazz playing and i'm like yeah i'm into this now no. this, is, this is this is this is my vibe but in the scene before that um the zodiac killer is going through a hospital and just shoving people over there yeah <laughs> And the score that he, is... He, he's, he's in a hospital that is either an old folks' home, a mental asylum, or just a normal hospital. <laughs> or a prison. Yeah. Let's remember, when he visits someone... Oh, yeah, that, that's, why, that's why I think it's an asylum, maybe. Oh, yeah, but, like, asylums don't have jail-style <laughs> sure. metal bars. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's, like, it's like in Manhunter when he goes to see, when he goes to see Brian Cox. <laughs> um, but during that scene, the score I can only really describe as, like, look up some rights-free background music to an all-rock radio station and play some of your ringtones at the same time and like and the more out of phase out of beat and out of tune with it there should be no harmony 
Well, it should it, just be out. But like, it's, it syncs up with the film a bit. Like, like, in a, a bit. Where, where okay. there's a guy in traction. There's a guy for like his arms and legs up in traction, and he pulls out a knife and starts slicing the cords. And each time he slices one, and a limb falls down. It, there's like a, there's like a violin stab or something. And then, of course, we get a beautiful ten seconds of him just walking out the room with a blank expression, <laughs> like they've called cut but not stopped the camera rolling. Okay, we should watch those two films and then talk about it <laughs> yeah. and hopefully two films it, we definitely haven't watched already <laughs> so uh and and hopefully at some point during it you can <laughs> defeat me to become the alpha of the podcast mm. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 57 on the Sight and Sound list, M. Fritz Lang's groundbreaking and suspenseful thriller about a city thrown into a state of panic by a serial child murderer. Our second film this week is The Zodiac Killer, a film made with the express purpose of infuriating the actual Zodiac Killer, but which mostly just succeeded in irritating audiences. Things that make you go, hmm. M. Uh, un film de Fritz Lang, 1931. His first sound film? Yeah, it's about this guy who loves balloons. He's a real balloonist, and he uh, buys a balloon, gives it to a kid. Unfortunately, she dies. Uh, he does. He practices smiling in the window while whistling a cheery tune, something a killer would never do, and we never see him do it. No, of course not. Um, and, and thus he is he, purely for his love of balloons. He's he's persecuted by a by a gang of criminals and miscreants, and, and uh, eventually killed. Mm. Rude, um, frankly. I, <laughs> I think I, I've always seen this film as a, as a, <laughs> as a no, no. I I think it's a beautiful tragedy about a wrongly accused man <laughs> who just loves whistling and balloons. Um, in this increasingly, you know, this world that 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 wants to protect children, but maybe too much. Mm. What's your take on it? So I spent a fair bit of time thinking about M. This yep. is a movie that I wrote a bunch of essays on when I was doing my BA. It's pronounced ba ba. The main way that I have been looking at this film is uh, through the lens of the fact that the screenwriter Taya von Harbour who was also Fritz Lang's wife at yes, the time yeah and and she wrote like all of the films well she, she wrote like all of Fritz Lang's films from like 1920 to 1933 yeah to the ne- they were working on the next film which was a Mabuse was Testament right uh, they finished a Testament of Dr. Mabuse in, in 1933 uh, my, and my understanding is is that he was like you're you're a bit Nazi yeah while they were making it yeah so he finished it on his own oh, okay yeah yeah so the story of Fritz Lang is like he is 
He was one of the most important and biggest directors in Germany in the Weimar era. Yeah. Uh, st- started off in silent films and made uh, stuff like Spies, uh, The Woman in the Moon. Uh, he made a film called Harakiri, which is different than the famous film called Harakiri. Yeah. The film that everyone remembers him for these days is Metropolis. Yeah. Which, of which more next year. Yes. He also did a like five hour long adaptation of 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 Der Nebelungen, uh, was also written by by von Haber, and yeah, they were they they were a unit. Yeah, for for a, for like a decade. Yes. she wrote the films, he directed them. Yeah, but that it, it it was very much a, they they were a, they were a filmmaking team. The aesthetic was both of them. Yeah, they have like set in stone what German expressionist films look like. Yeah. And then with with movies like M, they helped to like advance past that and move into like the move like move move German film into the sound era. I believe this was the first German sound film. This, this is the film that invents the pro, the the police procedural. This is the film that invents the serial killer film. Mm. It's the first film about a serial killer that looks at it from the serial killer's perspective at points. Because there are earlier films that are about serial killers. Again, we don't like, know. Like, well, like, sure, yeah, like, most early films are lost. Well, and we don't know what that train was doing before it got to yeah. that station. Sure. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are films like The Lodger, the, the Hitchcock film, which yeah. was a few years before this, which is technically a serial killer film, but the serial killer appears in, like, one scene when they get caught. Mm. But yeah, so the, 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 this is the first like film to look at the like psychology, the 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 psychology of of a serial killer, and yeah, and uh, and uh, so my my big thing with looking at Lang's films from this era is like Taya von Haber became a Nazi, and not just a bit of a Nazi, but a just a full on Nazi. Yeah, very like like real. Yeah, yeah, th- and, like and and uh, like uh, li- like not just a member of the party, but like a believer. Yes, and and so in 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 nineteen thirty three, after uh, after they made the, the testament of Doctor Mabuza, uh, uh, Lang ended up uh, Lang ended up fleeing the country. Mm. He moved to France for a few years, and then moved to America, where he committed himself to like to essentially only making explicitly anti-fascist films for the next decade and a half. Well, and and there has there was a lot of debate at the time and now as to as how you count M uh, as yeah. part of that. Yes. Because it's cut down title had like the 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 city that screams murder or something. Uh, was, right? I believe the full title was like M a city hunts a murderer. But that title was only originally ascribed to the shorter version. Any, yeah. it doesn't matter. And so this is a film about mob justice, yes. in, in a way. In a- which, which a lot of Lung's films are. There is a long sequence in Metropolis, which, which concerns a, a lynching or a, a like, witch burning. In uh, Lung's first American film, uh, Fury, is also about a, uh, is about a man wrongly, uh, wrongly accused of a crime who was lynched by, by the townsfolk. And so, yeah, this was a thing that Lung was always interested in. And I think there is a real difference to the way that he approached the subject in Fury and the way that he approached it in his work with Von Haber. I think once you know that Von Haber was a Nazi, you kind of can't, like, that kind of becomes apparent in the films that, that she wrote. Uh, how so? Was, this is my, my Lang, experience, Lang experience is M in Metropolis. Right. So with Metropolis, obviously we'll we'll get more into Metropolis in a in a future episode. Yeah. 
But my thing with Metropolis is, when it was released, some people on the right in Germany accused it of being like a, a communist film. And I think that film is very clearly not communist, because it, it is a film that fundamentally believes in hierarchy. The like happy ending of Metropolis is the lowly workers are still in their place, yeah. the, rich, the rich capitalists are still in their place, but now there is a like emissary from the rich capitalists who is going to like help the capitalists maybe be nicer, but who really kind of just exists as a form of pacification yeah. to to stop future to stop future revolutions. And in Metropolis, the evil inventor who's called Rotwang, uh, in in the original script for Metropolis, when von Haber describes his house, she describes a star of David being like etched into it. So like he he is very explicitly supposed to be Jewish. And the the whole film ends with like kind of a literal scapegoating of all of the blame for everything being pushed off to him so that the audience is like is supposed to forget that the capitalists were the ones who were responsible for all the death in the first place. Yeah. And with M, it is less explicitly about politics and economics than Metropolis is. But it's still an endemic thing in it. This is a film that's very much about the world and the underworld, the yeah. main conflict is we follow in parallel the two attempts to catch uh, the the murderer, yeah. one by the cops and one by the the criminals, and, and that is as much is it is a distinction made of legality. It is a distinction made of class. The mm. cops are men with nice hair and suits. Sitting, smoking eat, cigars, eating incredible sausage, drinking big beers, whereas uh, the criminals are all packed to a stride in tiny rooms, uh, uh, complaining, and um, it, 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 it's it's grotty. And even mm. like the so much of how this, like this film is obviously a formational text in the noir aesthetic, yeah. And an interesting thing it does is that so much of the noir aesthetic is isolated to the criminal world. Yes. When 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 you're in when you're in rich person, the cop world, the world of cops, it, it, it's nice and flat. It could be romance, a romance film. It could be Renoir. It is only when you go into the streets, into the darkness, where everything, where the, where everything is traced in relief mm. and brief glimpses. There's a sequence in, in the film where it indicates both the police and the criminals who are both planning how, how they're going to catch the, the, the killer. And every time it cuts to, to, to the criminals talking, and instead of showing the faces of these men as they're planning, it films their shadows on the wall. Well, yeah, and this yeah. is a film that, that loves shadows. <laughs> um, like kind of the definitional moment being, you know, we start, the film starts, we meet some kids, they're playing some games. Uh, uh, there is a poster on a wall, you know, another child murdered. And then the first time we see, oh no, it's like child murderer on the loose. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the first time we see the murderer is that he is not in frame, but he steps just off frame and his shadow appears and it covers the word murderer. Yeah. And I mean, like you describe it like that and it sounds a bit hacky and a bit much, but. Oh man, it's it's just great. Yeah. Like, and it is interesting seeing this as an early relic of the sound mm. era, 
because obviously so much of it is non-sound. It remain it remembers all the strength of telling stories visually. Yeah, it makes very good use of sync sound when it when it needs to. Yeah, but also it doesn't have a full Foley like yeah. for, for everything. So well, the, and, the, the, and later the, releases of it mm. have because this film fell out of copyright very early, so there there are right. many versions of it circulating. And, and so some of the other versions are ones where they've full they've gone on. They've gone in and in the silent sequences added right. atmos uh, and, you know, footsteps. And like room tone, yeah. Um, and that is, and yeah, just by by all accounts, I have not seen them. They they do not work as well. Mm. Um, and, and part of that is because it is non-natural. It is equally as non-naturalistic with sound as it is with, with lighting yeah. and, and imagery. And... and which means it focuses not really on dialogue, which is a crazy, like there is dialogue in the film, yeah. but there is a lot of no dialogue and just other sounds. Famously, of course, the murderer, Peter Laurie, um, whistles, he whistles in the Hall of the Mountain King yeah. from the Social Network soundtrack. And we associate that with him. So it begins to be that like, all we need to hear is that, uh, um, to know he's around. Yeah, and, and that is the one use of music in, in the film, is his repeated whistling. Well, I think the German language has a musical of its own. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other thing I was going to say about the like fascism of this film is that on this film's release, Joseph Goebbels saw it. Yeah. And we have Goebbels' diaries. Yeah. And on, on the... Personally. I... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but on... on, on, <laughs> on, just, on the amount of emotions that crossed Finn's <laughs> face after after he had to retract the information, <laughs> it was like there was a wince, there was a smile, he shook his head, his eyes vibrated, his glasses instantly fogged up. <laughs> it was like every emotion an anime character can experience all in one moment. A little scribble appearing on his head, a single tear of pain and a single tear of stress hanging in the air. Yeah. Yeah. He even went Super Saiyan. <laughs> so, in Joseph Goebbels' diary, yeah. on, on the day that he saw this film, he wrote something along the lines of, Excellent. Against humanitarian sloppiness, for the death penalty, Lang will be our director one day. I mean, two years later, yeah. in 1933, Goebbels had a meeting with Lang where he called him in and offered him the position of the official film director of the Reich. And uh, that night, uh, Lang fled the country. Yeah, and that was, and we are, we are, we're still only in the thirties, uh, uh, in the early thirties. Yeah, yeah and, this, this was nineteen thirty-three. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, this film nineteen thirty-one, but a few months after it was finished, Peter Lorre fled the country. Yeah. Um, there was some controversy. He, it was difficult for Lang to find a studio to shoot in mm. because people read the script or yeah. heard about the film and thought it was an attack on the Nazis. Yes, yeah. P- 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 people heard that he was making this film about about like a, a city being thrown into panic because of an evil person. And they're like, oh, he's making a movie about, about Nazis. And because by that time, a lot of the like rich and powerful people who ran studios in Germany were were like were party members yeah it took him a very long time to be able to find to, to be able to like find a place to make this movie well and that only happened when the nazis read it and were like we don't think this is anti-nazi yeah um, it was written by a nazi well but there is also like there has been some discussion and like it's portrayal oh, of of, yeah. of 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 a mob justice yeah. it, it does does seek 
to comment in some way on on the mass hysteria that was overtaking the country. Not actually like just to just to pause and mm. and, and you know to stop leaders coming in like. The the Nazis' takeover of Germany was also like a success of playing electoral and administrative mm. games. They never had a majority of support until yeah. they went to war, and even then, it's the polling is debatable. But mm. anyway, well, how I mean, it is it is an interesting and, and like obviously incredibly strong film. Yeah, there there so much of it is so iconic and with good reason. And, and there are so many things in it that feel so effortless, like how it leans into single takes, how it tracks, how it controls your attention that now feel incredibly natural, but at the time would have required so much work. Like, like as I said, watching it during all these incredible and intricate tracking shots, like every fucking film looks like this now, but it, but nowadays cameras are under a kilo and then cameras were a ton, yes. you know, like it's, it's insane. Yeah. There's a scene in this film where the camera is tracking through like a restaurant and it goes like over a table. He's like, how do they get it over that table? And like, obviously that's like the like famous shot from wings. Yeah. yeah. Which was like five or six years earlier. Yeah. Is that same thing of the camera, like of the camera, like tracking over a big table. Yeah. But like just the fact that they were able to like move it and like a way that feels so like unobtrusive is is fantastic well yeah and like this is a film that if you, if you watched it without sound you would be dazzled by the images mm. of it and like even when you watch it with sound it is it is uh it's 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 a beautiful film yeah but it is always when you're in the story when you're following the story it never feels like it's showing off it's another great example of like no one leaves a film talking about how good the camera work was <laughs> And that's because as much as he is, you know, playing with these incredibly new toys of the mobile camera of synchronized sound, he is always doing it towards a narrative end. Yeah. And in a way that is just, yeah, exceptionally strong. But it is also a film that, that, that time in some ways has not been kind to, basically, because how we expect narrative to be in films. When, when film is used as a narrative container, um, this film is so brutally linear. Mm. Uh, uh, there's a child murderer out. A, another child goes missing. We need to look for him. We're going to look for him. We're criminals. We're also going to look for him. They find him. They put him on trial. The end. Yeah. And it, it there, there is no sense. It is, it is a film that is less about change or deviation than it is about the journey about like the precise detail of the art you follow like it it is it's almost a retelling of a biblical story and that it, the the story isn't in the narrative it's about which bits of it you choose to pick out you know and, and his focus on the reality of people's lives, so much of the early sequence when where where um a, a woman is looking for her missing child mm. spoilers she did um is about sitting with this woman in in her bare and bleak home cooking on a, on a on a, a utilitarian countertop and like it is as much about the material reality of the people's lives yeah. 
uh, including the murderers. We only get four or five scenes with him. But like one is just him just looking in the mirror and just being with himself in a way that I, it's very strange. Yeah, there's one of him, uh, r- r- it's one of him writing a letter to the newspaper yeah. in handwriting that uh, is uh, uh, very similar to mine, <laughs> similarly like scrawled and chaotic. He does join up his letters though. Well, I do that occasionally. Prove it. Uh, it, it something happens accidentally and. No. Were you taught cursive in school? No. Ah, okay. Then where did you learn to swear? My my dad. Ah, what was the first swear word he taught you? It was, it was probably shit. Ah. It was a good one to start with. They fuck you up, your mum and dad. Yeah. They may not mean to, but they do. Good poem. Yep. This be the verse. Philip Larkin. This it's a fun a, one. Um, you know, I, I, read that, I read that poem to my dad a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, oh, I hope you don't feel that way. Um, uh, here is, I was going to do, uh, um, uh, uh, I, I, you know, do you remember the 30 to 40 feral hogs? The 40 to 60 yeah, yeah. feral hogs? Yeah, no, I tweeted, they fuck you up, you're 40 to 60 <laughs> feral hogs. But, but here's a tweet I've been workshopping in my brain. Do you think this is entertaining? They fuck you up, your mum and dad. But mainly your dad. Your mum's just trying your hardest. It's it's still hard to be a woman in the world, especially one trying to like live and and raise children. But your dad, fuck, like he was he was raised by the war scarred boomers. Jesus, they do not mean to, but they do. <laughs> That's funny, right? Is it? Is that? It's Euphidine funny. Well, okay, unpack that. Uh, it's about a poem. <laughs> <laughs> so you have mixed feelings about him. I mean, I. I, I have more mixed feelings about, about Metropolis. Yeah. I think my major problem with M is the like last 20 seconds of it. Yeah. And, and how that relates to the rest of the film, which is uh, at the end of the film, uh, uh, Hans, Hans Beckett, the, the killer played by Peter Laurie, is put on trial in an actual court. And, uh, and then he, he, we, we, we assume he is given the death penalty. But uh, it, it it cuts from a trial to to outside the courtroom where 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 the the, the mother who we saw at the beginning of the film uh, she she is she is dressed in more, she is dressed in all black and she is crying and she gives this speech about how people need to keep a closer eye on their children and then she looks directly into the camera and and basically just like says again like people need to keep a closer eye on their children otherwise what's going to happen to them and on its own, not like a terrible message or whatever. And especially because this film is based on a real child killer who existed in Germany a few years before. I, I, as, based in part. Yeah, no, yeah. I, Lang, there was, there was... It, like, there were like a couple different serial killers that, that, that this is drawing on. And, and there, there's one whose name falls out of my head mm. right now um, who you can draw pretty close parallels yeah. with. Lang always said it was about about the the trend in yeah. general, if you will, rather than any one specific yeah. case. But but so I think when we we like yeah that 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 scene on its own, I think mean, kind of a clumsy way to end the film. Whatever, just have someone stare into the camera and say the message. But I think when when you relate it back to the beginning of the film, where you see that same woman like working incredibly hard, getting her like shitty hovel ready for her for her daughter who she loves to come home 
you know she's she's doing laundry all day which is very like labor intensive she's yeah she's making food she's presented as very caring and you know hard worker but because she doesn't like drop all of her work to go to school to pick up her daughter it's like her fault that her daughter died essentially and it is a film that has i think very specific ideas about the place of women in society and the the role that women have when it comes to raising children and i i think it is like like maybe not for the time but like now seems very reactionary about like about how it thinks about the, about how it thinks about the role of women in society. I I don't, and I think that's part of the like von Haber. I think that that that's that's part of her whole deal. I don't think. Okay, I I I don't. Uh, I and I agree with the context of von Haber. There's, but there is also, um, I don't think within the film itself. I think she's speaking to everyone. I, and I think she's saying, every, uh, uh, when she says everyone, when she's talking to everyone to yeah. look out for kids, um, and so I don't, I, 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 I don't feel that as fervently as you, but I don't disagree with it. Is yeah. what I'm saying. So my other thing is about the big trial scene where Beckett is taken in front of a kangaroo court of the city's criminals and put on trial for his crimes. And this part of the film, I have a kind of a hard time getting a beat on fully what it thinks about uh, about what's happening. Yeah. So in Metropolis, there is a scene where there is a lynch mob and a witch burning. And in that scene, the kind of villains are sort of the overlords of the city who have who have like put the workers against each other or whatever. But the the main villain really is the workers who are presented as too venal and stupid to really know what's going on. They're, they're always searching for anyone to blame except themselves for their problems. And that's why they end up, like, that, that, that's why they end up, like, burning this woman as a witch. And I think by, by the time he gets to Fury, when, when, when he is no longer working with Von Haber, the take that Lung has on vigilante justice is, like, much clearer. He's taken, like, a very firm stance against him in, in, in Fury. Then in, in this, I, I can still feel that kind of thing where it seems like throughout the trial scene, there are points where it is kind of made pretty clear that, that this trial is, it's an act of hypocrisy. Yeah. The leader of the criminals, the person who is, who is prosecuting the case against Beckett, Beckett's defense attorney brings up that this man is like like wanted on three different manslaughter charges by by the police. Yeah, and he just says no, that, that, that's that's not relevant here, which I I think is like a I think I think it's like a pretty like trenchant moment from from Lung and von Haber. To me, uh, the success uh, I I I really love the trials. Scene. I I I think like on an acting and filmmaking level, it is it's it's an incredible scene. I I, I think there, there is yeah. there is a lot, and I, I think it is also like I, I think it is also very well written. I, I'm there, there are just like small parts of it that I like. I'm not entirely sure how how they sit for me, but I, like I yeah. Overall, I think it's I think it's very good. Yeah, I I think yeah, I think the trial scene is the highlight of the film oh no maybe the the chase um and like there's a reason I mean, like the, the 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 highlight of the film for me is when he gets the m on his shoulder oh yeah that's, like like that 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 is like one of like the greatest moments in any movie I think. Uh, yeah I, i'm iconic for a reason yeah um but the trial for me 
is a, a, a kind of incredible example of every major element mm. of the film complexifying all the others. Yeah. And uh, that you have this script that is in many ways a quite black and white view of the situation. Mm. Um, and, and specifically in terms of like his guilt uh, and the right of people to do justice mm. against it. Like, um, but like Laurie's performance within it of this, like, pathetic wounded animal who can only feel sorry for himself and, and is 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 grieving being caught and is this 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 he has this long monologue which is just this incredible kind of sex solo of self-pity of being like i didn't know i was doing it i felt so bad almost as if and as part of him being like just let me go please mm. i already uh, where his point kind of is like, I already feel bad enough or, and like, you can't judge me, but the, which is clearly like, we are not supposed to agree with it and you don't leave the film agreeing with it. Um, but he takes to the very edge, like the, the pathetic humanity of this man, uh, of this, this monstrous being of, that this man just crumbling and that like you, you absolutely understand and buy him feeling these painful feelings. And at the same time, Lang always puts him alone. He is, he's like Vin Diesel in fast and furious nine. He's always in a single. It's like he was never in the room <laughs> and he is alone and small and crumpled mm. the camera often looking down on him. Yeah. No, he's, he's Tignataru in army of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I don't think it costs 20 million extra dollars of <laughs> Zack Snyder's money to insert Peter Laurie into M, but, um, but like, fuck, like of the many things to enjoy about fast and furious nine, one of my favorites was when I early was like, Oh, a lot of this is written in a way so that Vin Diesel would not have to be there for a lot of the shooting of it, and yet would still be the lead character. Like it, it, it's 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 a fun thing to watch. It's like when you realise that after X Men First Class, Jennifer Lawrence never interacted with another actor again on an X Men film, and you're just like, oh yeah, no, she she shot she shot all of her other stuff in two weeks on a blue screen. <laughs> anyway, um. and and the crowd is always a mass of people Mm. and so you get this lone point of humanity and it is abject humanity it is charles lawton humanity Mm. against this unwavering and like impossible to be democratic or conceptualize nuance group of people and when you layer those three things together, how how the film looks at him, how he is, and how the film writes it, I think it really sings in mm. in a way that no one of those individual elements works. Yeah, and, and like I th- like we'll get to Metropolis when we get to it, but like I think a key part of what is missing from that is the like. M- as much as M is from the early era of silent films where it is like aesthetically in a lot of ways, 
uh, like a silent film with sound mm. at a, a lot of time. There are a lot of performances in it that are big. Yes. Uh, and, and like they're well handled and, and they fit. Uh, and sa- sound gives him is the seasoning, is the salt and pepper to really allow him to lean into like the nuance and shape of mm. what he wants to demonstrate. And so as Lang gained more things to layer, as he started working with actors who could be more subtle or, or, or more decisive like Laurie, and, and as he gained sound, he got better. Yeah. And, and I think, and like that is true of the, the arc of almost every filmmaker who gets better and better is that they get better at layering. Mm. Right. Um, and that, yeah, that's what I think the success of that is. And I think the success of the film as a whole, like the reason M I'm going to call M sound isn't even in the like, oh, it's an artifact. You have to love it. Like, look at all the films that are standing on this giant's broad shoulders, even though that is absolutely 1000% fucking true. Yeah. Like it's another one of those films where you're like, oh yeah, I I've seen every moment of this referenced. Every cut of this is a reference mm. is is referenced elsewhere and with good reason. But it is because it is a good and watchable yeah. film. Like that opening sequence that intercuts Elsie Beckman coming out of school yeah. and and her mother at home waiting for her is like still one of the most like devastating five minutes of any film. Well, it and, is- and and yeah, and it, it works as well now as it did yes. then. Um, uh, it's it it's it's not just good because of its legacy. It's yeah. good because of its quality. Yes, and oh yeah, and I and I think the reason that that is true is because even though it its narrative is so aggressively linear, uh, uh in in a way that does not seem, uh, you know, deliberate. Yeah, this is a film with zero twists. Yeah, is because he is always playing two or three notes it's always layering things it's always shaping things there is uh in in a way that is not not only revolutionary then but now like the reason this film still works in a modern way is that it is as dense if not more dense with ideas yeah it's much it's so much more than just a film about a town looking for a murderer it's a film about the town. It's a film about murder. It's a film about relationships mm. to kids. And I, and yeah, the reason that final, we should always look after our kids thing isn't a write off for me is that in a modern context, to me, that is about like, we should always look to our children, you know, mm. as opposed to like that, the thing they were going for at the time, which was like, stop letting your kids go out to play. Yeah. Well, I think Lang specifically said at the time that was like specifically addressed to mothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, again, I, yeah, do, yeah. I am not trying to rebut oh, you. I, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, out of shine and sound, what do you give him? I mean, it, it, it's, it's still sound. This is like the third or fourth time I've seen it. Yeah. I have a hard time loving it as much as I did when I first saw it, but it's, it's still an, an incredible film, and there is, there's, there's, there's no reason not to see it. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of impact especially in the visual games mm. it plays uh, is blunted when you know what's coming mm. so it, it is a film that is kind of designed to be watched once but if you haven't seen it once like you have to fucking see this film yeah. um and also it is 
a hair under two hours. Yeah. It is. It's, we, it's, what, it's 110, right? Well, yeah. It was originally like 118. No, I think it was originally 111. It was cut down to like 96. And then reconstructed. And, yeah, to, to, yeah, to 110. Um, But the... It does not... It just go, it goes. Yeah. There are so many sequences in this where you'll see and you're like, oh, that's what all other crime movies... Like, this is where all other crime movies are pulling from. Yeah. Or... And this is, is so much of it is setting the grammar of how we look at the crime and like yeah. baking into it from the very beginning, like the narrative ambiguity of like the, the cops are the people doing the main investigating, but they are not the heroes. No. You know, they're, they're, not, they don't. Yeah. They're not the people who find Beckett. They're not the people who stop him. They're the ones who take the credit for this work that was, that was done by others. Yeah. Which is another way in which it is slightly anti-Nazi. Yeah. So, Ben, uh, I know you're on Letterboxd. Yeah. I know you're a fan of a lot of the power users I am, uh, yes. on there. And I know there's no one on there you love more than Savvy Bulge. Ah. What if I told you that Savvy Bulge gave M half a star? You know what? I... I don't know what I'd do. I think you should read it and we'll find out. Okay. They do make some good points here in this. Uh, 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 it, it's a well-argued reason mm. full of uh, valid and non-monstrous things <laughs> to say about the film M. I had no patience for reading a movie and enduring, spell it wrong, a hundred-year-old black and white visuals. So it's only 90 years old. A uh, hundred year old black and white visuals. Uh, the story plodded along and eventually I couldn't take the screaming anymore. There's not much screaming in the film, Savvy Bulge. I presume that was possibly your brain trying to warn you you were having a wrong opinion. Well, like, there is screaming in the film and it's in the last five minutes when Peter Laurie has his speech. Yeah. Ultimately, it was a good experience. Because it might have been the only time in my life when I was veritably thankful we won the war. <laughs> I just think it is immoral that we, that some people are allowed the internet. Like, I understand that the internet should be a human right, mm. but I also think that if people... Okay, do you want to guess uh, Savvy Bulge's top four films? Sure. Okay, one. Uh, is it uh, is the first one, uh, I, I Like to Eat Diarrhea, the movie? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I agree. Like, I wouldn't put, there are three on here I like. Hmm. One I have not seen. I don't think I'd like it, though. Oh, okay. But I would, like, I wouldn't put any of these three in my, in my top ten. Hmm. Um, one is uh oh uh, it's oh, it's a legal thriller it's a recent legal thriller uh the trial of the chicago seven no mangrove no no. Uh, no no recent being within like the last couple of decades so. oh, okay uh the judge no again a film i would like oh, okay okay right this like. is one of the films i like um uh, uh it, famous coffee ambassador is the lead george clooney george clooney legal thriller to tell the oh, oh, right, right. joint it's uh, uh 
Uh, it's one of the two movies I always uh, get confused, uh, Michael Clayton or Syriana. Ah. Oh. Yeah, so you got two there, because Syriana is also on the list. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, you got two of them there. This uh, person loves Clooney. Yeah, no. Uh, the next one is, uh, it's Coen Brothers, um, and I think it is the favorite Coen Brothers film of people who don't like Coen Brothers films. Uh, ooh, uh, 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 Fargo. No. no. Um, Big, Big Lebowski. No. Ones of uh, favorite people who don't like horror movies. Oh, uh, uh, no, no country. Ding ding. Yeah. Next one is an Oliver Stone film, but uh, n- not one of the biggies. Ninety-seven. Uh, Ninety-seven is the U-turn. Ding. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> U-turn. So Finn. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. So I recently I've been the victim. Uh, of a crime oh no yeah uh i well, saw the movie the zodiac killer <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, there's no like we can't like it is gonna be i was gonna be like i, I i've been the victim of a crime and now i'm gonna make a film <laughs> to 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 catch the criminal which was some of the thinking behind the film the oh, right, zodiac it was, killer. It was paul avery who wrote the thing about i've, I've been threatened by the zodiac yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that was unrelated to what I was saying. Oh, sure, sure. But like, when you said that Paul Avery wrote the thing at the beginning, I I didn't realize what it was until it. Just oh, now. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, I'm just saying that it's not Paul Avery, um, who who is uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Zodiac. Um, he's not the person who's committed a crime against yeah. me. Who I want to uh, uh, chase down with a film, but it is so hard. Like. It's so hard to discuss this film because our main response to it was laughter. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is like calling it a B movie is an insult to B movies. Yeah, it, it, it was a movie made by a guy who ran a restaurant yeah. who uh, was uh, like rightfully mad at the Zodiac Killer. And <laughs> yeah, the Zodiac Killings were current, were still going on. Yes. This, this film is from 1971. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it was. Yeah, they they started making it in like 1970. Re- released in 1971, the, the 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 first Zodiac killing was in 1968, and there were I think still more to come. And well, and there there's still, you know, there's lots of theories within Zodiac killerness that yeah. that they in fact went on for a long time. He just stopped identifying himself. I would yeah, use I, gender I, neutral pronouns, but uh, and I, I, I you 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 you're, you're pretty sure. <laughs> The Zodiac Killer was a man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And what witness descriptions we have that, you know, someone, at least AMAB, you know? So I, I actually watched a couple of uh, short films this year by a guy who I later found out is one of the, like, lead suspects for a lot of, like, uh, Zodiac amateur sleuths think is is the killer. Lynn Ramsey. Uh, yeah. On movie, there is a compilation film called Ears, Eyes, and Throats. Nine rare and restored punk films, nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty one, uh, which which is a which is a collection of short films, documentaries, and music videos by people who may have committed the Zodiac. No, but by by people like in, involved in or or adjacent to the the like punk rock to the the, the American punk rock scene, and so there's like an early uh, Devo uh, short film. 
Yeah, and the person they think is the Zodiac <laughs> is Killer. Mark <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch of like music videos for, for 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 the residents. There's a bunch of cool stuff in it. But two of the shorts in, in this, uh, what one one is called uh, Death Slash Punk, and the other one is called Moody Teenager. Were directed by a man called uh, uh, were directed by a man called Richard Gokowski, uh, who uh, I, I I found out after watching is. Uh, uh, believed by a lot of uh, like o- online uh, Zodiac sleuths to be the Zodiac killer. I thought it was John Carroll Lynch, though. Mm. But yeah, he was like an interesting uh, short filmmaker. He only made these two shorts, but uh, they're both good. And uh, maybe he murdered some people. So yeah, it is hard to... Yeah, our main reaction to this film w- was laughter. Yeah, made by someone who hadn't really made films and, yeah. and judged based on the film. Has like seen films, but not recently. Yeah. Because well, like... He, he also like... He, he did not have the money to hire uh, good actors. Yeah, okay. But like the acting is almost the least of this film's problems like you can cover so much bad acting with good writing oh like oh sure like the, well, just doing second or third takes yeah there, there are multiple but like, but like that's also a money thing yeah but there like there there is at least one point and i suspect more where like an actor fucks up their line corrects themselves and it's just left in the film not even yeah. a jump cut yeah there's a guy who's like Oh, oh, I can't remember uh, what he it's, says. Uh, he's, uh, it's the it's the editor for 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 the for the newspaper, and he's just gotten the first of of the letters from the Zodiac, and and he's he's reading it out over the phone to the to the police officer, and he says, uh, you know, on the next page there's a there's a, there's a decipher or a, 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 a or a cipher, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's yeah. So let let let's talk like very briefly about the plot of this. So th- th- this film was was produced and directed by a man called Tom Hansen, uh, and it was written by uh, by a man called Manny Cardoza and another man called Ray Cantrell. Now, for, uh, for both uh, Manny Manny Cardoza and Ray Cantrell, this is the only movie they're credited with writing. Uh, there are two there are two credited cinematographers, and uh, this is. For one of them, this is the only thing they did. And for the other one, for the other one, this is the most prominent thing that they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tom Tom Hansen uh, uh, directed one other movie after this, uh, which came out the next year, called A Ton of Grass Goes to Pot, which is about some guys who are like smuggling marijuana or something. And uh, on on Letterboxd, uh, nine people have marked it as watched. Yeah. So the uh, uh, the, the, the this, this movie stars uh, Hal Reed. As uh, Jerry, yeah, the Zodiac, the killer. Zodiac killer, in a twist though, yeah, Cause... and uh, 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 yeah, and and the the like second lift, the, the the like co lead for the first half of the movie is uh, is a man called Grover, played by Bob Jones. I was sure his name was Groovy until mm. I saw the end oh, credits. Yeah. yeah, and he 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 appeared in two other movies. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Hal Hal Reed uh, oh, uh, also appeared in two other movies. But uh, the, the, the other two movies that Bob Jones appeared in, uh, one is uh, called Come Along With Me. It's a 54-minute-long movie by, uh, uh, by, by a woman called Joanne, or by, by the actress Joanne Woodward, the only thing she directed. Uh, and uh, there's a movie with Barbara Baxley, who was in uh, Nashville. Oh, hooray for her. She, she, was, she was the old woman who loved the Kennedys. Oh, wait, yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Robert Town is in it. 
screenwriter. Well, well, the other movie that Bob Jones was in was a movie directed by Menachem Golan, or Menachem Golan, the one of the uh, uh, one of the people who ran uh, Canon Pictures. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a movie Into the Ninja. <laughs> That is a porn film about fucking a ninja, right? Yeah. And but, but so apart from Hal Reed and Bob Jones, both who appeared in two other films, like, n- n- everyone in this movie appeared in only the Zodiac Killer, except for, uh, uh, except for one other person who was called Doodles Weaver, who was a popular comedian of the day, who was also <laughs> in a bunch of Jerry Lewis movies and The Birds, and It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Or and or and 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 Robert Town as Man in Bar Number Three. Robert Town is uh, uh, best known as uh, the, the writer of Mission Impossible Two. The the writer of Chinatown and Mission Impossible One. This was three years before Chinatown. He was Guy in Bar in the Zodiac Killer. Guy in Bar Three. Yeah, but but he'd already been a successful screenwriter for eleven years at this point. Yeah, weird. Maybe you needed some cigarette money. Maybe. maybe. Um, this, yeah, to describe this film it is is just to to write a shopping list of madness. Yeah. Um. So much. The 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 the, the like first half of this movie is a collection of men walking around it, and it's saying the first act. It's the first quarter. Yeah. So as as a bunch of men walk around and saying the worst possible things they can think of about women, <laughs> and like they don't say women. They say bitches. bitches. And it is... Or broads. But mainly, mainly bitch. bitches. And it is just so... And, like, I know you're supposed to be being like, oh, this guy's the Zodiac killer. Yeah. But it is also it, like... Can't, can't, there's just a lot of, like, oh, I like him young and dumb and, and juicy. If you get any ladies, if you got any spares, chuck them my way. I'm always grateful for yeah, a and, piece and, of bitch meat on my hog. Yeah, and, and that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the scene with popular comedian Doodles Weaver, uh, who is, like, a right. 65-year-old man who's saying, like, that. And, like, once, once you see the film and you, and you, I guess, like, understand what it's going for, it's setting up the like culture of misogyny that 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 this like that that this serial killer who hates women exists in, and that sort of gives him cover. But it, it doesn't feel like that while you're watching it. it it's so like uh, yeah. So do, do uh, so uh, Jerry, who's the the main character and the killer, uh, he he's he is. Uh, 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 he he he's a, he's a postman. Yeah, and he, while he's making his rounds, he has all these like interactions with with various people. Uh, there's like there's this old woman who's like really mean to him for no reason. Yeah, and then he goes to deliver Doodles Weaver's mail and complains about oh this all broad up the street and yeah and, and he's like oh you know I only you know. I only like them until they turn twenty, and after they turn twenty, yeah, I'm done with them. And 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 Jerry's like, oh, why is that? And he's like, oh, there's a there's a change that happens when they turn twenty. You know, some 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 call it the year of the dog. I call it the birth of a of a bitch. And it is just like it is worse. It's, it's confronting stuff, <laughs> and it's worse than you think because yeah. yeah. this is all in like grainy, slightly out of focus sixteen mil. Yeah. in these like Garth Marenghi's dark place, misframed close ups of these actors who are less like shallow and wooden than they are just like literal real estate signs. Yeah, like it, so much of this film is people 
saying words like they've never heard them before. And then like... There was a scene where a woman says hello to someone. <laughs> which <laughs> she, she manages to, to say hello in a way that I've never heard anyone else ever say it. Well, and like so much of it, and it's like simply, the, clearly simply the nerves of being on, in front of a camera, which anyone can understand mm. and why you should do second takes. Yeah. But or, like, or like... Do some rehearsals first. <laughs> T- tell them the camera's on, but it's not. Well, they didn't have any permits for any of the places <laughs> they shot is a piece of information I just learned. Right. Um, but like, so, so, so much of it is like all the timing is slightly off. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of like, hi, how are you? I'm good. Ha ha. <laughs> yes. It's been a long time since. Yes. A long time yeah. since. Hello. I've been feeling weird to <laughs> haha yes Go, yeah, look over the, there Robert. it's the, the, just the, the, so the, the, insane there, there, are, there are so many laughs in this that are like that are like slightly off that are very weird what it feels like is have you ever gotten npcs to talk to each other in a video <laughs> game where it is like two systems just crashing and colliding yeah, with no, no it, actual it, it, interaction it, it, yeah, yeah like the, 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 this movie is toy story for the inside of skyrim <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely there but also like uh, uh, uh the one interesting move the film does is that it focuses on grover a lot he wears a hilarious wig he tries to pick up women he's, he carries a gun with him everywhere he behaves he's like a raving misogynist he behaves like he's 20 but he's actually like 50 and it takes a i kept being like does this film think we think he's like 30 <laughs> Is this, but anyway, um, but he's accused of being the Zodiac killer, but he's not. Mm. His friend is. Yeah. And that's interesting. And then it just becomes his friend killing people in increasingly odd, dispassionate and hasty yeah. ways. So for, 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 for the first half of the movies, we, we, for the first half of the movie, we, we see a bunch of killings that you would recognize from seeing Zodiac. You see the two kids out by the reservoir in, in, in their car. You see the, the cab driver. You see the, the like two other people by by the lake, and it does the scenes that you've seen in Zodiac, and we, 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 <laughs> but worse, yeah, and like when, and, and li- like, but like not a lot ju- worse, and not worse because Fincher had millions and this guy had restaurant money, but like worse because they are just done in incredibly poor taste. Yeah, like there well, is like it, it, in in the scene where he stares for two people, but by the lake. I think there, there was something kind of like genuinely upsetting about that scene. Well, yeah, because they, they they've had the idea of putting blood on the end of the retractable knife, yeah. so blood leaf. But then it is also like closer on a woman's cleavage as it is stabbed. Yeah. So it is both being like, oh, this is terrible, but check out that b- bikini dough. Yeah. Um, it, yeah it, but but so w- when you see the first one of these killings, which is also sort of the, the, the like opening scene of Zodiac, yeah. the, the two kids in the car, they're making out, I mean, someone, someone like comes and shoots them. I, I was thinking... You know, like, m- like maybe they could do something like interesting with this. Like, yeah. obviously, it's not going to be as good as the Fincher one because that's like all, all, all of all of those scenes in in Zodiac are are incredible. Well, and and that first one is the high watermark, I think, of Fincher's whole career. Yeah. It is it is this precision Swiss watch uh, of tension and fear building to uh, an a like incredible. Pain, incredibly painful flurry of violence. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever really been tenser than that scene, especially when the, like, the car is mm. going past. 
seeing it in the cinema and especially like remembering that the gunshots in that film are mixed so loud and are in all of the stereo yeah. channels so it's like they're happening to you um and like obviously this guy does not have the resources to do those things but he does not it's just they're like just a shit slasher film yeah. from the time yeah like and, yeah there is a shot of of the two teenagers making out of a car and then you see the, the like flashlight flashing in their faces, yeah. and and they're like, "What's that?" And then they both just get shot. Yeah. And yeah, this movie makes no use of tension, essentially. And, but it just doesn't have the time or skill to do it. Yeah, and and like so, it's more successful, which is to say, more entertaining moments are when it is attempting to express like the soulless briskness of this man. Uh, and so there's just a lot of scenes where he will like, you know, pun- smack a woman in the head with a tire. Yeah. And- it, 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 yeah. And in, in the last like 25 minutes of a movie, he seems to like lose his mind even more than he already had. Yeah. And he stops doing these like very like specific calculated killings in isolated places and starts just kind of killing anyone he comes across. And like, yeah, that, that's when it gets kind of fun. Like, <laughs> there, 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 there's there's a woman on the side. There, there are two different women on the side of the road. There's there's one where her, uh, oh, like he, there's a woman driving along in her car, and he is on a hill with a sniper rifle, and he <laughs> he shoots out one of her tires, and and then she pulls over, and he just sort of like runs down this hill, and is like, hey, oh, is your tire gone? And offers to fix her tire for her, and then. He he like he he jacks up the car and then says, "Hey, you hold this tire in place for me." Goes to a boot of her car, gets her spare tire out, and then you just you just see a like low angle shot, what is it, a high angle shot. That's one for like underneath looking up. Yeah, 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 yeah. See a high angle shot of him just like hefting this tire over his head and going, <laughs> and like if that that bit rules. I love that. And, and uh, later, uh, a woman's car has broken down. And he's like, oh, "I'll help you with your car. Let's look under your hood." And this is what I'm about to do: is me attempting to genuinely recreate the pace of the scene. <laughs> yeah. where he's like, "Hi, I'll look under the hood of your car." Oh, will you think? Look under here. Oh, what you need to do is hold your carburetor. Hold it. Hold okay, it closer. Lean forward, lean forward. Lean forward. And then he shuts the hood he, on her. He slams and down on her. And like, but it is like. Well, no, okay. He, he slams the hood down her, on her a couple times. <laughs> and then he, then he gets up on the hood of a car and just starts jumping up and down with a massive <laughs> smile on his face. Just going. <laughs> and, and like part of the intent of this film, allegedly was to make something that would infuriate the Zodiac yeah. Killer so they would go to see it. and Yeah, at, so, so he would come to the premiere. And, or and, uh, it, 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 there was a week of screenings in LA yeah. um, or, or a couple of days where they had a competition. It was sponsored by Kawasaki. So if you filled in a form, you could enter a competition to win a motorcycle. And what they had right, behind yes, the yes. scenes no, was yes. uh, handwriting experts to match the handwriting on all the forms so that if the Zodiac Killer came filled out what entered the competition, they could arrest him on the spot. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, and then like it attempts to give him some kind of motivation by revealing that his, his father is in a mental asylum in a, in a, in a room that's like a prison cage. But like, if you went into it, just a standard normal hospital and then opened one of the doors and there were prison metal bars yeah. there. Yeah, and there are no lights on inside the cell, but there do seem to be like red satin curtains hanging in the background. <laughs> it rules, and and it, it's the like it's the like one good shot in the movie where he like walks in where he like walks into this room 
and you see his like silhouette against the bars with the like deep red in, in the background. It's, it's good. I mean, it immediately cuts to a reverse shot, which is not as good. Yeah. Um. It's. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's it, so. Yeah, so it gives him the backstory of his dad's crazy. And and he has a bad moment with his dad, uh, uh, which, of course, motivates him to go and torture that guy who's who's all up in suspension and yeah. then p- p- push a man in, uh, in a wheelchair down a hill and, and, and then eventually down some steps. But so much, which means you do get maybe two to three minutes of just... It's just zaniness. <laughs> zaniness. It just made me like, oh, 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 what jazz music plays. And it is like, this film is, it's not like, even while watching it, I was like, this is not so bad. It's good. No. It's a different thing. It is funny and entertaining the way, like, children, <laughs> children can be funny and entertaining. Where yeah. you're like, you just, gen- you are just doing shit and you don't know. Like, and it's so there's like this real like there is almost a skill to how bluntly terrible the yeah. dialogue is and like putting that in combination with actors who are absolutely doing their best but without any experience or being worked with at all don't yeah. do well like no one in this does no one in this is bad it is just absolutely misconceived yeah. it's like a bunch of people who came into his restaurant once and he asked him to be in his movie. It is, and like it always. It Except is for Robert Town, who I guess he knew from somewhere. <laughs> it is. I, I still have no idea how fucking Robert Town was in this. It is. It is, and it is absolutely like brutal and linear and explicit and so overtold. Mm. And like you, the experience of watching the film is like, like for a film that is so pointedly coherent. Um, if it is just like this guy kills and then we just see him kill, yeah. you, you never have any questions in your mind as an audience member, apart from that moment very early on, uh, at, at the end of the first act where they reveal who the killer is. Yeah. But it is the most incoherent. Like it feels like you are watching something that absolutely makes no sense, but doesn't at all. It has the real sense of, yeah, like six-year-olds telling you the story of their day where they have no idea what to leave in, live out. They leave out. They don't understand how irritating repetition can be, but also like the vim and vigor and like the energy that they are doing. It is compelling. Like it is not, it makes it sound like outsider art, but like, of all the films I'm going to call shite, and like it absolutely uh, is, yes. this is maybe the one I think you should see the most. Yeah, it's 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 an experience. Well, and it should like this film, and like I I I was hoping this would be like a trash masterpiece, which it's not. No, but it but like it's it's very enjoyable but for a lot like, of it. There there would be legs in this film becoming a midnight staple. Oh yeah, like yeah. there there like there is enough silly. Each scene contains something entertaining enough. Like just like just talking to you, I'm remembering how like at the end of of one scene in a bar, you then get just a bunch of cuts to people in the bar just talking, and they're all saying the weirdest <laughs> shit. One is being like, "Oh yeah, but then my brother caught fire. What are you supposed to do about it? Oh, you should leave him. He's a total dog." And then just a woman being like. Yes, I'm 20 years old if I'm a fish. It's just like the strangest. It is like, it It feels like I, I when I was writing The Witching Hours, when I finished it, I read it to you out of right, the yeah, worry yeah. that it may have just been insane. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, just not. Like, obviously, like I knew it was shaped like a script and shaped like a story, but it might just have been 
the burblings of a madman. And like something like this is what I fear my work being. Anyway, so yeah, they this film uh, is bold enough to give the Zodiac Killer a motivation. Yes. And Finn, what is that motivation? So when Grover has been killed by the police and it is, re- is revealed that Jerry is actually the Zodiac, it's revealed in a scene where he is in his house, but it no longer looks the same. Now he has candles and and like drapes everywhere and he kneels down in front of an in front of a dark altar and puts on a cape and starts talking about how he is killing all these people because then they'll become his servants in the afterlife and it does the scene like twice and yeah no because because there's the scene where he is addressing he has a wall like a maniac's evidence wall um of all the people he's killed being like yeah you will all be my servants i'm looking at you i i will know where there have been enough of you it yeah. is and, and then in, the, in, the, in the, the second time it does that scene yeah their, their voices are like talking back to him and asking like oh how can you really know if we'll be your servants and like I don't know. It doesn't do anything that interesting with it. There, 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 is, there, is, there is one thing I actually like in those scenes, which is like both times he's in front of the altar, it starts with him like kind of very clearly in his room, wearing just like a white shirt with his shitty cape on. Yeah. But then partway through, it'll, it'll like cut to the, it'll cut to the shot of, of the altar and it'll cut to the reverse of him. And now he is in like a black void and he's wearing full black. And like it's like it's it's them make it's them like making a choice yeah. and doing something that isn't like the the cheapest most obvious thing. Yeah, this is not a first film. It is a first film, but it's also like the first something someone has made. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like this person has good taste, probably he's, or he's, like, like interesting he's, taste. Yeah, he, he's like he's he's ambitious at, yeah. at, at, at points of it, and he's just not yet good at making things because no one is good at making things immediately and so there's and like the fact that as as like i'm sure if we were recording this podcast at the time we would be like it's obscene to make these films this guy is still out there Mm. you know but now you you gotta be like there is a strange (laughs) oddly noble gumption to like i'm gonna catch the zodiac yeah and like if he had done it with this film yeah like it would be in and like the film is so silly and so clearly disconnected from reality it doesn't feel like a disservice to real victims you right. know yeah yeah like it, yeah, it, it, it's it's it, it does feel like the haunting of sharon tate which is just, which like feels like evil the entire time you're watching it yeah whereas this it's like uh i don't know yeah, no, I, I can't really think of a comparison, but it is so, like, its ideas are so... Oh, okay. Is this controversial? Um, It is Borat's relationship to Kazakhstan. Because Kazakhstan, as it exists within Borat's fiction, is... A, Terrible. Well, and but, like, absolutely, it like... Borat should be from a fictional country. Mm. He um, should be from Latveria. Yeah. <laughs> Mate. Him and Doctor Doom. But, like, that is not what people from Kazakhstan look like. It's not what they talk like. Not what they sound like. That's not what their landscape looks yeah. like. That's not what they are culturally like. Yeah. It's not like... Like, Borat is a racial stereotype, but a, gen- a general one. Mm. And it's not like... There's nothing in him that is actually pointing fun at real ideas of Kazakhstan beyond the country's name. Yes, yeah. Um, 
I think it is that. I also, but that is also in both cases, the point being, it's not perfect, but it doesn't rule it out. You know, mm. it doesn't make it, at least to my white middle class <laughs> colonizer taste, unacceptable. Mm. But like, if you have a chance to see this film, it's under ninety, yeah, and it it's brisk. It there's one scene where it tries tension, where he's hanging out with two people he'll stab yeah. later, and that feels like you're in it forever. But it's really only five minutes, and don't worry, it's pretty much all killings from that point on. Yeah, yeah. Um. So oh, and and then the 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 like ending of it is awesome. <laughs> We should discuss the ending. The ending is a delightful surprise. If you think you may ever watch this film, skip ahead to... 1 hour 18 minutes and 19 seconds. Okay. So anyway, now that they're gone. Yeah. So at both the beginning and end, the thing, the, the great thing that unites both M and the Zodiac Killer is its use of voiceover. Mm. Very sparing. Um, Zodiac Killer begins and ends with like the Zodiac Killer walking the streets and the first half we can't see his face. Yeah. Um, with this narration being like, I could be anyone. I could be a man on the street. I could be the person sitting next to you in the cinema ki- killing and you'll never stop me. And it is ridiculous yeah. and, and, and overlong and overwritten. Um, and then for the second one, it is like, he's just living his normal life. Yeah, he's he, helping he, an old lady cross the street, that old lady looking down the camera lens throughout. But yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's walking around the streets of what is clearly Los Angeles, even though the Zodiac killer killed people in San Francisco. Yeah. And that is where the movie is set. Yeah. But, uh, but okay. So it's shot in Los Angeles, doubling for San Francisco. That's like, that's fine. Understandable. You're based in Los Angeles. Like you don't, you don't have money to go to San Francisco, but he chose to shoot this fucking scene on the, on the Hollywood fucking on the Hollywood Boulevard walk of fame. Yeah. You can see all of the stars that he is walking along. Yeah. Like that is the most recognizably Los Angeles <laughs> fucking bit of pavement you could have possibly chosen. Yeah. No, there is. If a, he had chosen any other street in the city, I would have spent the entire movie thinking it was taking place in San Francisco. Yeah. Like there's a couple scenes where you see like big hills and you're like, sure, that's San Francisco. I mean, that's California generally, yeah. right? But like San Francisco is famous for the hills. Yeah. But yeah, so so he's walking around the streets. He's walking along the 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 Walk of Fame. He's doing his monologue about how you know, I'm totally free now. No one's ever going to catch me. You know, I could keep doing this forever. Oh, do you think do you think people like me, murderers, criminals? Do you think we do you think we care that you call us crazy? That you call us psychopaths? Nah, we don't care. We love it. And then. And then, like, there's a fr- like he walks into camera, and there's like a freeze frame, and then it comes off on the screen. This is not the end. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is. Oh, it's exquisite. And then the end credits are freeze frames from the various killings, like some. Well, yeah. Well, it, it's freeze. It's 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 like it's freeze frames off the killings into like mixed with with, with like with with like on set photos <laughs> of them filming various shots. Yeah, it is. It's it's such it's such a good ending. It is also like yeah no this film feels bad in a way that it is difficult to compare to other bad films. Yeah, because it is in fact I think achieving everything it tries to do. Yeah, this is not a film where you're like ah uh, like you thought you were being profound. Um, but oh, yeah, it is, no, it 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 it's, it sets out to be trashy. 
yeah and and exploitative but it 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 ends up being that in a in a different way than it wants to be i think yeah so yeah like check it out like it is like there is there's a sense of the killings being that like um so bad it's good like slasher movie thing but like how it presents its arguments how it cuts between people and like it it is so much more than that and so much less it is it is i yeah like of all the films we've called shite this is the one I think people should watch, and it's the one I'm going to show people. Like I <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> you, you, you're showing it to Briar tonight. <laughs> no, it, it's she. She wouldn't find slamming yeah. the woman's head in the car is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that the thing. Oh, I wish. Oh, mate, will I put together a YouTube compilation of all the best killings? Because the thing you can't express is just how, like, quickly and lazily, like, all he does all the killings, and it's not like I'm quick and efficient. It's more like I need to get, come on, let's get this over with. Yeah. Next shot, like, there is a br- a brusqueness to his briskness. Um, but so we both agree that it's shy. I don't think anyone could think it was good. I don't uh, finding someone who gave it more than say three stars on Letterboxd would frankly be a miracle. Yeah, no, it seems like it would be. It, it seems like something only 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 a Zodiac killer would do. <laughs> okay, this is a five star review. Holy shit! Of the Zodiac killer. I, the reason I said three is I was like, surely no one has given this five stars. There, there, there are nine five star reviews of this. This is a five star review of the Zodiac killer by Letterboxd user Max Caldwell. One of my favorite movies of all time. This is exploitation cinema at its finest. A movie about the Zodiac Killer made while the murders were still taking place. Legendary. There are many laugh-out-loud stupid moments accompanied by many genuinely creepy visuals. This is exploitation cinema at its best. Couldn't recommend it more, but it ain't for everybody. I, I just think, like, I can't disagree with that person holding that view. I can disagree with a person who holds that view and that approach to watching films being allowed to vote, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, would, would you like to guess uh, Max's uh, uh, top four films? Is one of them the Zodiac Killer? It is not, oh. no. Uh, so what, 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 one of them is a film uh, uh, which I don't think you'll know. It's called uh, Deadbeat at Dawn. Yeah, never heard of it. called uh, Jim Van Bebber. Yeah. Yeah. Doug, uh, don't don't know it. Good name uh, though, Van Bieber. Yeah. Uh, uh, the second one is a is a short film by Kenneth Anger. Do you know Do you know much Kenneth Anger? Uh, uh, I think you 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 will have you will have at least yeah, heard the yeah, name of this yes. film. Yeah. No. Like that's like you say Kenneth Anger and things spark in my brain, but I, I need more clues. Uh, 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 it, it 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 has the name of one of the zodiac signs in it. Is it the Tropic of Cancer? No. no. What is it? Uh, it is called Scorpio Rising. Oh yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, yeah, like I knew that. I could never have told you. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, yeah. It's something I've heard. Of, like yeah. I've, I've heard a lot about that film. But I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, uh, next, we have a, a late sixties uh, Burt Lancaster movie, The Leopard. That's early sixties. Uh, the Leopard Two, more Leopard. Yes. No, uh, 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 the, 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 the Western, I assume. No. Oh, is it an Eastern? Uh, it's not a fucking southern, is it? No, I don't believe so. Though, so, I do not know. Yeah, who directed it? Uh, it uh, it was directed by someone called Frank Perry. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
uh, this is uh, his most uh, famous movie. Um, let's see. It, 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 it's, have it, I seen it? Uh, Do I have it logged on Letterboxd? Uh, no, you don't. Uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's, it's about someone who does an activity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was, it was playing at the Academy at the beginning of this year as part of the like, Academy Summer Series. Ah, uh, okay. Is it... Um, it's, my brain is yelling Billy Liar, even though it's obviously not no, Billy that, Liar. That, that, that's, 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 that's an English movie from the <laughs> early 60s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and mid-60s. A, and a great book as well. The book, the play, and the film, all good right. of, of Billy Liar. Um. Uh, give me more. I feel. Uh, I feel okay, it. So I, uh, I know this yeah, film, right? Yeah. Like I've definitely heard of yeah. it. So, so it's it's it was part of the Academy Summer series. So it, it's it's and it's about a guy who does an activity. So it's a it's it's an activity uh, someone would do during the summer. It's a it's a it's a it's a wet activity. Swimmer, the swimmer. Yes, the yes, swimmer. yeah, yes, of course. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then uh, uh, his fourth film is uh, uh, is a film that I uh, uh, that I absolutely love. Okay, uh, uh, it's not one that I talk about a lot, but mm. it, it is uh, uh, it is uh, it is a uh, it is like one of the defining pieces of 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 American independent horror from the nineteen sixties. Not Night of the Living Dead. Oh, um, Mamma Mia! Here we go again. Yes, um, got got it in one. <laughs> Independent horror sixties America not not Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Is it a Corman? No, no. No, this was even independent of Corman. <laughs> That's how independent it was. Have I seen this film? Uh, you you do not have it logged. No. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, would I recognize the names of any actors in it? Uh, no. Okay. Would I recognize the name of the director though? Uh, if if you were a fan of this film, yes. Oh, oh God. Um, this feels really obvious, hmm. right? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it is because I yeah. uh, like this film a lot. Is it? Uh, what kind of horror? Uh, it, it is. It, it's it's largely psychological, being like veers into supernatural at the end. It 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 it's it's about a. It's about a woman who is who is fleeing her past, but then kind of in, in, uh, be- begins encountering like specters uh, uh, of 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 like bad things that happened to her. What? No, I don't know. I don't think uh, 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 it, it is called Carnival of Souls. Oh yeah, no, never heard of it. Oh, it uh, it's great. Yeah, uh, it sounds great. Yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. it's it's seventy eight minutes long. Oh, mate, by Herc Hervey. Hmm. So Finn. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh who gives a shit? Whoa. You, you can yeah. I'm I'm the Alpha now. <laughs> but you can find the show. Yes! Finally! <laughs> but you can find the show on Twitter at ShitesoundPod or you can email us at ShitesoundPod at gmail.com. Why not uh, uh check out our website? It's at shiteandsound.com. And if you like the show, which you do, uh share it around. Tell people that you like it or yeah. tell people you think will like it uh, uh, to check it out, like and subscribe. If you could leave a review on any of your various podcasting or podcatching software, that'd be nice. Well, why not do that? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in me and my output, I, I don't know why uh, you, you can, I've got, I've got other podcasts. Check out the slow path, my doctor who and love podcast <laughs> with, with my girlfriend. 
uh, my my de facto wife, my my partner, uh, my boo. She's great, and it's mainly me slightly annoying her until she laughs. I think I I think it's real good. Um, uh, it does very that between. Yeah. If you want to listen to another podcast about you for annoying someone until they laugh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was I was about to say it yeah. does reveal a lot about how I <laughs> yeah. engage um, w- with people. You don't have to like Doctor Who to watch it. Like, you don't have to see the films to enjoy this podcast. Um, uh, and I also have radio drama series called The Witching Hours. You can check that out at thewitchinghours.com. Apart from that, I'm at Youthalives on most social media. Sign up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash youthalives. What are we watching next week, Finn? Finn, our 50th episode next week. We should have something special planned, and we do. Next week, we are watching uh, two of Yufa's favorite movies, one of which I've uh, never seen before, and one of which I, I saw and kind of liked okay, but yeah. I think we'll like more this time. Uh, and if I don't, uh, uh, Yufa will hurt me. <laughs> uh, we are watching Children of Men, and with that, we are watching Suspiria 2018. The Suspiria Suspiria. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I've thought a lot about the connections between the two, and I think all of our good anniversary episodes, we will alternate who picks the double bills. Mm. Our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam, who, who, star of Cousins. I mean, star of Two Shots and Cousins. <laughs> yeah. Lovely to see him. Um, Cousins is good. It's a great local film. Support local film. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot do, of real... Do, do, do a double feature of Cousins and Wrath of Man. Or do what I did and do Wrath of Man, Cousins, and then I Blame Society, a trilogy of which Cousins is definitely <laughs> the best. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, 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 I should also say, uh, I, I mentioned on the last episode that I'm trying to watch every movie I can from 1971. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Zodiac Killer is also from 1971. Yeah. And I just want to let everyone know... Uh, it's the worst movie of 1971 that I've seen so far. I cannot believe that you put that, like, uh, Tokyo Naked 15-year-old <laughs> film above it. Like, What's it called? Gushing Prayer, <laughs> colon, a 15-year-old prostitute. It, it is a weird, uh, semi-Marxist, anti-pornography softcore. It's bizarre and pretty bad. I... Yeah, I worry about what's inside your mind. Um, Movies are good. Even Zodiac ones. Go Go kill them. Yesterday we had a hour-long discussion about how Finn does not believe that hypnotism exists. Yeah, I but it, it just empirically does. Okay, but let's go back to talk about Joseph Goebbels, something non-controversial. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you you are on uh you are at the thin end of a like choosing to believe that some humans don't exist which <laughs> you know like you will start you'll be walking down the street and you'll be like what's his name in the bittersweet symphony music video just bumping into people 
And when they go to apologize, you will turn around and say, I do not see anyone there. I only am able to perceive people who I consider solid. I don't know. It sounds like something you'd be hypnotized into doing. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, okay. So. A mean girl's meme. So you agree. <laughs> Do you agree hypnotism is possible? For the purpose of that sick burn, yes. <laughs> oh, God. So, Fritz Lang. 